Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. In the past few weeks, we've been working on a verse in, in Hebrews, and I'm going to spend one more session on it. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, where we read, Leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, and we've spent our time leaving those things behind, and we're done leaving things behind. We're going to move on to what follows. Let us press on to maturity. All right, I'm very interested in this concept of maturity because things happen in your, uh, you know, your fellowships and your Bible study groups that are, are very immature. Uh, are, but let me give you an example of, of a leader of a group who approached a problem in a very mature way. So I'm not going to dwell on the immaturity. I'm going to dwell on the maturity. There was um, a dispute in his um, fellowship about... Um, the dating of the new moon, and of the you know of the the leaders of that group, they had different opinions, and it became rather um, heated and unpleasant. And he approached it in a very mature way. He suggested to the the person who was you know in, insisting on on adhering to a, a certain date and a different date. He said, "Let's just sit down and talk, and and I'm sure we can we can figure out something that will be." Uh, compatible with God. And so they sat down, I think it was more than just the two of them, it was probably the elders of the congregation, they, they sat down and they, and they chatted and, and he led the discussion in a way that was positive, not negative, and it was not critical. And they ended up deciding to go ahead and part and, and to, to have two separate groups, uh, but they were going to continue to, to have a close relationship with each other. And I think, you know, Probably the most godly approach would be for them to find a way to stay united uh, because we are supposed to be one new creation, neither Jew nor Gentile, and with no dissension. But, you know, we do live in a world and these things will happen. They're just going to happen. And I think this is an excellent example of a way that that this gentleman handled it. I think he handled it very well. I really applaud him for what he did. So the question is, what is this maturity? We're supposed to leave behind the elementary teachings, and we've looked at those, and we don't we don't leave them behind in the sense that we say, that's it, we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to do something different. It's It's that through Christ... God has elevated what we have in the Old Testament. He's elevated it to a higher principle. And we've looked at the higher principles, and they're really pretty exciting, to tell you the truth. But now I want to go on and to press on to maturity. Maturity, let me tell you the Greek word. I'll tell it to you, and then you can forget it if you want. You don't have to remember it. It's teleos, which means to be perfect. So we are to press on to perfection. Now, there's a lot of teaching in the church that it, it, perfection is impossible because we're born under sin, and you know we have to try to drive the sin out of us, but we're never going to be perfect until Christ returns. That's not what Scripture says, and I'm going to show you that. 
It says that we are to press on, we're to reach for that perfection. It's, it's to be in our hearts, to want to be that, that perfection, and, and to strive for it, and to reach for it. And it, we will be at times, now we won't be completely perfect all the time, but we do reach it from time to time. And I think God only sees the heart, he, to, to our desire to, to walk in, in righteousness, and to be one with him, to be holy and one with him. And we do from time to time. But he wants us to, to, to desire that at all times. So the word is teleos, which means uh, perfect, or complete, or whole. That's the sense in, in the Greek. It means to be complete or whole. So there's no perfection in us at all. We're, and that's where we get the, the concept of, of perfect. Now, what I want to do here is I want to show you first in the New Testament about this teleos. And then I'm going to take you back into the Hebrew Scriptures because the Greek was simply pointing to the Hebrew Scriptures. The New Testament is a commentary on the Old. It's, it's pointing to the Hebrew Scriptures. And unless you know the foundation of the Hebrew Scriptures, you're not going to fully appreciate what the New Testament is telling us in the Greek language. So let me sh share with you Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. And Yeshua is, is talking to someone who comes to him and, and wants to be his disciple. And Yeshua says, If you wish to be complete, perfect, whole, the Greek is teleos, if you want to be perfect, complete, whole, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, selling your possessions and giving to the poor doesn't mean that you have to give away everything. It doesn't mean that. You you have to read the biblical language as, in its artistry. It's very artistic in, in the way it expresses itself. That's just the nature of the, of certainly the nature of Hebrew. And uh, Matthew was is very Hebraic and, and may have been writing in Greek, but, but he was thinking Hebrew. You can tell that from what he's written. So go and sell all your possessions. Go and sell your possessions. It, it simply means to to strip away all the worldly parts of your life. That's all it means. It's, it's, it's a metaphor. Strip away all the worldly parts of your life. Give to the poor. Now, that's, that's another metaphorical. It, 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 that's not the only thing you do, but you, you dedicate your life to other people, and you give to other people, whether they're poor and you give them the, your money or, or whatever. You, you dedicate your life to other people. And, and that's what it means. And then uh, you, you will have a treasure in heaven. We talked about that uh, reward that you get for work. It's wages for work performed. It has nothing to do with whether you'll be saved. Um, it is the reward for those who are servants, their disciples. Disciple simply means follower. Um, you know, you follow me, become my disciple, follow me. Um, dedicate your life to, to me, to serving me, to... To, and, and my role is, is to bring God's children to him, God meaning the Father, to bring them to him. So that's what we're doing in our service. We're, we're, we're showing the wonderful love of God by our lives, the way we walk, the way we talk, everything that we do. And it witnesses God. It witnesses this wonderful God and brings people to him. Now there's one more verse I want to read you in the New Testament that uses teleos, which means perfect or complete. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. We proclaim him, um, and, and that's proclaiming Yeshua, the Messiah. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ.
All right, these are the leaders of God's people. And the leaders of God's people, and we should all rise up into leadership. That's what God is calling us to do. Now, we don't have to, to be a worldly leader. We can lead in many ways. Uh, you can lead in your, in your home with your, with your family and your children. You can lead in your workplace. You can, you know, there are many places that you can lead. And you lead by walking in righteousness. That's how you lead. So this is, is talking to leaders. And, and the goal of the leaders is to present every person under whom they're, you know, they're, they're, they're counseling these people under them and to present them complete, perfect in Christ. One with Christ, perfect in Christ, one with Christ. Now that doesn't mean that those are the only people who are going to be saved, but that's our role as followers of Yeshua, dedicated to serving him, to working in his, in his ministry. It's his ministry, not our ministry. It's his ministry, and we work for him. And in the last session, we, we saw sowing righteousness. We're not just to be righteous, but we're to sow righteousness. We're to, to take the righteousness that, that is evident in our walk so that others can catch it and that they can also grow up to be complete in Christ. So that's, that's that word for uh, teleos. Now what I want to do is I want to go into the Hebrew scriptures. And, y- you know, you always want to find the equivalent Hebrew word that has been translated in, into the Greek. And the Hebrew equivalent is tamim, uh, which means to be unblemished. And it, it has the connotation of being righteous. If you're unblemished, you have no sin. You are righteous. So the teleos is to complete or perfect. And the tamim is complete, perfect, or, or righteous, without sin. That's, that's the concept of the Hebrew word tamim. And uh, so here's how we are to be tamim, unblemished, righteous, perfect, and whole. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. All right, and and this is how we walk in righteousness. <laughs> you know, we don't have to stuff our heads full of a lot of laws. We we love God, and and we do it with with from the depth of our heart. I mean, just yikes! I don't know how to explain it, but I, I I'm there. <laughs> and and we do it. Our soul is the nephesh. It's 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 what makes you you. <laughs> and might and your might is a very interesting Hebrew word. I'm going to stop and explain that. The Hebrew word is me'od. Me'od means very much. So, um, for example, there's a, a saying, um, let's see, uh, uh, tov me'od, very good. Tov is good, you recognize good, tov. Tov me'od is very good. So me'od simply means very, very, very much. That's all it means. So we are to love God with all our heart, all our nephesh, our soul, and all our me'od. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's me'od is an adverb. And, and here it is in here, you know, with all our, everything we've got. Everything we've got. It's, it's wonderful in Hebrew. All right. And then um, the, um, the, that tamim, you know, to be, to be whole and righteous and perfect and unblemished. 
and and again in Deuteronomy, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So we are to love God with all our heart, but how do we do that? You can't do it in a vacuum. You have to take the word of God and put it in your heart. You know, he's given us his word so that we can know him And he's also sent his son to bring us into his presence. But don't forget his word. And it it can't be just the New Testament. It has to be both Testaments. So that's, that's how, that's the Hebrew word tamim. Now, this, this concept of perfect, you know, there are a lot of churches out there that are teaching that we can't be perfect because we're sinful. We can't be perfect and we won't be perfect until Yeshua returns. But in the Hebraic sense of time, when we first belonged to God, God saw us as righteous. He saw us as perfect. At some time in the future, we will be perfect. We will be righteous. And now we are in the process of, of, of desiring in our heart to walk in perfection. So if, if you have this desire in your heart, then God is going to... Uh, to bless you in many ways. We saw in the last session that he will bless you with rewards, which are future rewards. And um, and also, I'm going to read you here from Matthew 13, verse 11. I love this verse. Yeshua is talking to his disciples. And he's just finished talking to the crowd. And, and the crowd are like all Christians, or all, all those who belong to God. They're all the Christians. But the disciples are the followers. They're the ones who are committed to to submitting to him in obedience and obeying him and serving him and and walking in righteousness and sowing the seeds of righteousness those are the disciples those are the followers all right and which i'm sure you are all right so yeshua says to the disciples to the followers it has been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them pointing out to the crowd it has not been granted now we're not talking about eternal life we're talking about God revealing mysteries to those who have that heart, that heart to, to love God with all their heart and all their soul and all their ma'od. <laughs> and, and they're the ones who are the dedicated followers of Yeshua. And God is going to reveal mysteries to you people. He's going to reveal mysteries. That's what it says right here. Now, to, there are many Christians out there who are not followers. They're not disciples. They're not committed in their hearts to walking in righteousness. And the mysteries are not going to be available to them, but they will be available to you. Uh, at Bible Interact, by the way, we, we, we teach people, and we believe that God is sending us followers and disciples. We believe that. And so we are teaching to disciples and followers. And we, are, uh, t- we have recovered these ancient methods of Bible study that take you back into ancient Israel as to how Israel uncovered the mysteries in Scripture. And uh, we're teaching others how to do that also. So I want to stop and take a little bit closer look to this Hebrew word tamim, which means unblemished, righteous, complete, or whole, or perfect. Tamim. It is first used, and you know, the sages believe that the first use in Scripture, God marked it as something very special, so we always have to take a look at the first usage. And we read about Noah. And there, we, there are going to be three things about Noah. I want you to hear three things. And I'm in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Noah was righteous. He was, wait, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, 
Noah walked with God. So you've heard three things. Righteous is, um, you know, is righteous is, is, is to be without any unrighteousness. And then comes the word blameless, which is our Hebrew word tamim. It means to be unblemished. And it means if you're unblemished, you have no, nothing in you or on you that mars you in any way. You're, you're perfect. You're whole. You're unblemished. Noah walked with God. And that's the result of being righteous and tamim, un, unblemished. If you are walking in righteousness, sowing the seeds of righteousness, you will be walking with God. And God will be disclosing mysteries to you. Now, the word tamim, which has been translated here blameless, is also used of animals that were sacrificed to God. They had to be tamim. They had to be um, um, without blemish. They, they, they had to be perfect. They had to be perfect. The purpose of the sacrifice was substitution. So that, you know, you're not going to give yourself by burning. You're going to substitute a perfect animal. And the perfect animal stands for perfect you. That's what it stands for. It's a substitute. It stands for perfect you. So if you do not come in a perfect condition, God's not going to accept your sacrifice because it, the sacrifice may be perfect, but you're not perfect um, because you're substituting that animal for you. And if you're not perfect, then God's not going to accept the sacrifice because he hasn't accepted you. You're coming in an unrighteous condition. So we read in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, your lamb that you're bringing for sacrifice to the altar, your lamb shall be an unblemished male. Unblemished is tamim, unblemished. Um, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So th this this is the, the concept of sacrifice is to substitute an unblemished animal for you, an unblemished person. By the way, Yeshua is the higher principle. He's the unblemished animal. And he's our substitute in the same way that the animal on the altar was the substitute. Now he's our substitute. So it's it's the higher principle. Now I want to show you uh, the word um, tamim one more time and because I want to show you that it is possible to be perfect. It is possible to walk in righteousness. Don't listen to the teachings. My suggestion is not to listen to the teachings that say that you can't be perfect. Because right here in Scripture it says so. Let me read it to you from Deuteronomy 18.13. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. That's our word tamim. You shall be tamim. You shall be perfect. You shall be unblemished. You shall be without any flaw before, your, uh, before uh, the Lord your God. So Deuteronomy in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures is telling the children of Israel you can be unblemished. You can be perfect. And you must be in that perfect condition when you bring your, sac your sacrifice. And, th but, and then it continues in the New Testament. Listen to Matthew. Matthew says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So perfection is possible. The commandment is to be perfect, to walk in perfection. That's the commandment. Now, we have to take a look here at how to be perfect. And we're going to get that um, from, uh, I'm going to take you in first into the Hebrew Scriptures, and then I'm going to take you into the New Testament. Because I will, we can see instruction here on how we are to be perfect. I'm going to start with Psalm 15. Psalm 15 is wonderful because it, it has a whole list of things that are... Now, these are not the only requirements. Um, they are examples. They, 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 they're examples. They're, they, certainly... They, they're 
there you must be these things but it, it's done in a way to to just give you the overall understanding of how you're to be perfect i'm in psalm 15 and it starts by saying walk with integrity integrity is tamim you are to walk in a way that is tamim just like god told abraham or said that abraham was was blameless um god told um uh, he told Noah that Noah was, was blameless Tamim. He told Abraham in, in chapter 17, uh, walk before me and be blameless. Blameless is Tamim. Walk before me and be Tamim. So he told Abraham to walk in this righteous condition. And now he's telling us, well, it's in the psalm, but let us listen carefully. You know, walk with in righteousness with this unblemished. Walk that way. There it is. Now, Psalm 15 continues. I think there are about six of them. So let me let me read them here, and I'll stop on each one. The next one is do the work of righteousness. So it isn't enough to, to be righteous, to walk in righteousness. Do the work of righteousness. And remember, we're to sow the seeds of righteousness. Do the work of righteousness. And and work. what is the work of righteousness? To to express love to, to, to all people. Just express love. You know, if someone's poor, give them money. If there's, you know, if someone is sick, come, go to them and, 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 and give them comfort. You know, and help people when they need help. And this is to do the work of righteousness. The next one is to speak truth from your heart. It isn't enough to speak it from your mind. You must speak it from your heart, the truth. That's a tough one because there are a lot of truths that we don't want to say and we try to, you know, white lies are not permissible. And the next one, do not slander uh, uh, or do evil or shame a friend. And then, oh, here's one I want to stop on. Honor those who fear the Lord. When you see someone who is walking in righteousness, the person is a is a godly person. You honor that person. You honor him in word. You honor him in action. And it couldn't be a her also, him or her. You honor that person. I think that's a very important one. And lastly, do not cha- charge interest or take bribes. You know, that's the loving heart. If people are in need, just give and um you know if you're if you're asking suggesting that they give back give back without interest and if they can't give back tell them it's a gift that that's all now um let's see there's one other um thing i want oh i wanted to take you into romans because romans uh talks about being tamim being they don't use the word tamim but to be perfect It's Paul in Romans 12. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I love that verse because it's the imagery of of the ancient Israel when they brought an unblemished animal, but they had to be perfect themselves, otherwise God would reject their offering. Now what Paul is saying is, is you need to be the sacrifice. You're the sacrifice, but you're not a dead sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice, and 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 you're a holy sacrifice. And of course, all sacrifices have to be holy to be acceptable by God. But now you're the one. You're the one who's not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. Um, and, it, and then it goes on to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. Okay, it's going to be acceptable if you're in a holy condition, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
I love it. So how do we worship God? Do we worship God by going to church on Sunday or going to a fellowship on, on the Sabbath? Or do we worship God by tithing? Or do we worship God by whatever? The answer is no. We worship God with a spiritual service of worship, which is to become that living and holy sacrifice. Sacrifice is one who works for God. You're a servant. Sacrifice, you're a servant. And and this is this is the true worship. The true worship is to is to walk in holiness. And don't forget that God only sees the heart. So if your heart is desiring to walk in holiness, God gives you credit for that. And he will work with you and you will become if you, if you live to be a thousand years old, you won't stop becoming more and more and more righteous. Um, it's a process. We're in the we're in the process now. At some time in the future, God will complete the process. But now it's the process. So, what is maturity? Maturity is uh, is to be blameless, without blemish. It is to walk with God by um, by doing the works of righteousness, by becoming righteous, doing the works of righteousness and by by living a godly life and and walking with God and being one with God. That's what it means to be mature. So I'll just end by reading our verse again. It says, Leave the elementary teaching about the Christ, leave it behind, and move on to the higher principles. And in the higher principles, you will become mature. Shalom.